And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host Ronnie Landis and I am joined today by a special guest, a very dear friend of mine and a colleague, Brittany Bergen. And she is an incredible transformation coach, um, a soulful entrepreneur, a fitness and nutrition expert, and so much more. I've gotten to know this incredible woman over the last, um, the last four or five months, maybe a little bit less than that. And um, I've just been blown away by um, just all the incredible wisdom and um, just all the activations that have occurred through our our connection um, and just the work that you've been doing in the world. And uh, I just have so much respect and honor for you. And I knew at some point that I had to get you on here to do this podcast together because there's just so much that has occurred in all of our conversations and dialogues and seeing the work that you do in the world has just been really inspiring for me. So I figured, why don't we get you onto the podcast and share, um, you know, share your brilliance, your wisdom and your insight with everybody in the world. So here we are. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show, Ronnie. Yeah, my pleasure. Nope, oh, a little bit interfering. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, you know, I want to, I want to start this off by giving everybody a little bit of a reference for you and your background. The work that you, one of the areas of work that you've been really focused on is in the the fitness arena, and obviously that plays into your nutrition journey and helping people really fine tune their nutrition for physical performance, but the work that you do has expanded and gone so far beyond that. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background, how you got into this field and, um, yeah. And also how your work has expanded beyond that. Yeah. I would love to share about that. So I often tell people that my work in this realm really started around the age of 10. Like as soon as I could get my hands on a woman's health magazine, which was the best thing I could find at that age. I started reading and researching. And I think it was even my mom's Chatelaine magazines had like workouts in them and stuff. And I was drawn to health and fitness from a very young age. And at that young age, I almost started to become this little, little child coach of the family, right? And I think it's interesting how much wisdom children have. And, and often we don't access that. And at a young age, I started saying little things to my mom, like, hey, let's swap out our white bread for whole wheat bread, right? So it was like really little things at a young age. And then I've always been an athlete. At first, 
you know, I'm a Canadian girl. So ice hockey was my sport. And I played that at a very high level, like AAA hockey and, and tried to make it on the university team. And I've had a few ACL tears and stuff to my knee. And so I just didn't quite make it there. And so nutrition for me was always not only about being healthy. I think it started with health when I was younger and then it became about performance. So performance as a hockey player, which eventually led me to, you know, when I didn't make it down that path, which was a blessing, right? It always leads us. Sometimes we think, oh, this really sucks. I didn't achieve my hockey dream. And yet what it led me to eventually was CrossFit because CrossFit is a much more linear, sagittal plane sport. You don't need to turn and pivot and rotate like you need to in hockey. So uh, I was able to do that without an ACL because I torn it three times. So I don't have one in my knee and I just live life anyway, right? I, I decided to opt out of the third surgery. And so then it was okay performance nutrition for CrossFit, which at that time, the realm of CrossFit was all into paleo. Uh, so I, I dove into the paleo world and didn't know what I was doing and actually gained weight, right? Because you can end up eating a very high fat diet and not the best fats. And there's all kinds of other things involved, right? So after that, I got into tracking macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat with a coach who helped me reach a weight class for powerlifting which is the squat, bench press, and deadlift, which I competed at, at an international level um, and did really well in. And so he helped get me into a weight class. And I remember, like, God bless his soul, he helped me so much. And then at the end of my journey with him, when I was in my weight class, I said, there's got to be something more than this. Like, can we look at supplements? Can we look at nutrient timing? What can we look at beyond macros? And he said, if you have the accountability and you can do this yourself, then you've basically got to figure it out. And I just knew that wasn't the answer. So that sent me on this journey, this path of seeking where I created the nutrition program that I now, I don't coach it so much anymore. I have employees who coach it. I created our 14 habit nutrition program, which talks about nutrient timing, which talks about supplementation, which talks about all these other things. And we still include macros because, um, you know, I think there is still some benefit to that, especially in the sports realm when people aren't even ready, willing or able to dive into something deeper. Right. And yet now I'm living my own nutrition in a much deeper, more intuitive way. A lot of superfood nutrition and a lot of just what am I really being guided to? Like even eating for the chakras. Right. Things like that. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about my journey. Yeah, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper on that because a lot of people, um, a lot of people may be only aware of that particular conversation, the macronutrient conversation. Um, you brought up a few different things like eating for your chakras, more intuitive. I'd love to like get a glimpse of what that looks like for you. And also, um, you know, how has that evolved from going from that place and also talking, I'd love to talk about a little bit about nutrient timing because that's a concept that if you haven't been in the fitness world, then you may not be well aware of it. But it is, it is something that I think is relevant for people that do want to experience more performance, whether they're an athlete, they work out, they do yoga, or they just want to experience um, more optimization in their, their energy. Yeah, for sure. So which one do you want to start with? There's a lot there. Um, I'll hand it off to you and then just kind of let you, let you unpack it. Yeah, let's start with performance and then we'll get into chakras and stuff like that. Um, so as far as performance nutrition, what was really game changing for me was reopening myself up to carbohydrates, right? Because I came from paleo where I was really limiting the amount of carbohydrates that I was consuming. And the biggest thing that I learned from my macronutrient coach was to open up to carbohydrates again as an energy source and as fuel and as a recovery tool. So what I didn't realize at the time is like, yes, I think everyone knows as an athlete, you need protein. As an athlete, depending on the way you're competing, we could talk about whether you're always doing one rep maxes versus are you doing a lot of anaerobic training, right? Are you doing a lot of CrossFit? Like there's different ways to eat for your sport. Are you an endurance athlete? Most athletes need carbohydrates. Let me just put it that way. So um, the biggest game changer for me was my post-workout nutrition. And and I learned that through a combination of, you know, just tracking macros and knowing I needed to get a certain amount of carbohydrates in, in a day through my work with Barbell Shrugs. They're really uh, pro promoting like organic foods and grass fed meats and things like that and nutrient timing. I learned a lot from them. So 
Um, basically, the biggest game changer for me was getting both protein and carbohydrates in post-workout so that um, that would aid in protein synthesis, right? Uh, I could refill my glycogen stores right after, repair the muscles, and essentially utilize an insulin spike. Everyone says insulin spikes are bad. If you're a performance athlete tearing the shit out of your muscles, it's not bad. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself, right? So allowing myself to have that insulin spike post-workout with a good quality carbohydrate still, right? Like an organic sweet potato or like an organic grain or something like that, right? So um, having carbohydrates post-workout was one of the biggest things that allowed me to improve my recovery. I would notice like two days later, I'm ready to hit a hard workout again. Whereas before, when I wasn't giving myself the carbohydrates, I wasn't seeing that kind of recovery. And that's what I've noticed with almost all of our clients is when we reopen them to this realm of carbohydrates and that leads it into chakras, right? So when I think of carbohydrates, I think of the solar plexus chakra. So, um, you know, eating the sweet potatoes, eating like now I eat sprouted grain bread and things like that, right? Eating these things are what gives you your power, right? It is like when we're not eating them, you're actually diminishing your power. And I also want to bring this into a bit of a conversation around hormones because I noticed as a woman and a lot of my work with Idealist Isabel, that's the name of my business, when you sign up for our newsletter, what you get is a woman's training guide. And we have parts on pelvic floor health, which I believe is neglected in the fitness world. Uh, we could go down that path if you're interested. Um, and then I have female nutrition. And then we also have... Uh, a few other things. Essentially, what we get into with female nutrition, though, is there's women have a tendency to eat at different ways at different times of their cycle. And I think that's something that they have resisted because we often think that we need to be the same as a man and we're not the same as a man hormonally, right? So what I notice now, bringing it to my nutrition now, is I eat very different at different stages of my cycle. So there's about two weeks where I do eat higher fat and lower carbohydrate. And I fast a lot more because that's what my body wants. And then there's about two weeks where I eat a lot more carbohydrates. I eat breakfast instead of fasting. Um, so yeah, that, that's a few things there. And then as far, as far as intuitive goes, it really does go a lot with my cycle. It's like, uh, am I feeling extra hungry? So like leading up to my period and the week of my period, that's when I generally eat more carbohydrates. Because when progesterone is low, the body is actually more insulin sensitive. So my body just wants more carbohydrates. And I used to resist that. And now I roll with it, right? So that's an intuitive thing. And then it's really like, what foods am I being drawn to? And I'm drawn to a lot of like earthing, rooting foods, like beets, like sweet potatoes, root vegetables, right? There's all kinds of minerals and stuff in there, which I know you could get more into. And then that's also eating for the chakras, right? So the root chakra is all about safety, foundation, groundedness. So root vegetables work on the root chakra and the color red, right? So beets is like a double whammy. And then also sometimes I I'm kind of go back and forth between eating meat as well. And I do notice during my, my menstrual cycle, during my period, I want red meat more. And I think there's a number of things there, whether it's iron or things like that. I'm not sure. I just don't resist it. I don't need to understand it all, right? Like, am I loving myself? Is my intention to nourish and heal and become the best version of myself and, and achieve my full expression? If it is, then intention's everything, right? And then there's still a level of awareness that we can get into and, and uh, being in harmony with the earth and in harmony with food. Like, there's all kinds of different paths we can go on. But hopefully that gave your listeners a little bit on all of that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you said a lot of really interesting things there. I mean, I like this conversation around intuitarianism and really shifting from the from the arbitrary and outdated kind of um, templates of diet and and um, you know you know a lot of things. A lot of these diets, like they serve as a good roadmap to get started with if you don't know what to do and you don't know how to structure that for yourself, you don't have the experience or you want to try something new. But what I see in the diet world is that people will swing like a yo-yo from one thing, they'll go like raw vegan or something, and then they'll swing all the way into like heavy meat eating in their body. And they could be, they, that could, they could have been doing this for years and years. So there's an adaptation that has to happen, or they could go from here all the way here. 
And for most people, there's like this adaptation and acclimation that their, their body has to go through in order to make a, a sustainable shift. And I see people yo-yoing back and forth just based on ideology, based on someone else's perspective, or maybe they didn't know how to do this thing perfectly as they were going through their own maturing process, as they're going through the stages and phases of life, and they have maybe more stress than they're used to, or their hormones are starting to change. And um, so it's a really interesting thing, because I think it's so easy to get locked into a box and a one way type of thinking, which, which basically opposes or disregards all other perspectives when we do do that. And we're missing a lot of essential keys to, to our own particular puzzle. And so I like this idea of intuitarianism being guided by our intuition and also having more knowledge and, and um, information to guide us so we know what we're doing. Um, one of the things you were talking about is the basically the emotional and interpersonal relationship between food, like in that, that root chakra, in the root vegetables being very grounding and helping to anchor in certain, certain um, personality um, traits or, or things that might be holding somebody back mentally can be associated with what types of food they're eating as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I would actually love for you to get more into that. And, and first, first, I think we can dive even a bit more into the whole like chakra, eating for the chakras type conversation. Because like, so we look at the root chakra and I mentioned beets or like often I'm not an expert in eating for the chakras, right? So this is just my own experience. And that's that's what I want to share. And that's how my whole business has been created. It's It's been created out of the experiment that I've done with my own body, body, mind and spirit, right? And then taking people along the journey with me. So I always say, and if you're watching this and you want to be someone like, you're like, I want to be like Ronnie Landis or I want to be like Brittany Bergen, right? If you see us here, it's like, okay, start your own experiment on yourself and then get two steps ahead of someone and then take people with you because that's what I've done, right? So as far as the chakra thing, I'm not saying I'm an expert. This is my own intuitive, whatever you said, intuitarianism. I love that. Um, that's what I'm doing now is intuitively I'm finding myself guided to that. So we can talk about like meats and like root vegetables and beets and red colored things, strawberries, tomatoes, whatever for the root chakra. And then my favorite uh, sacral chakra, the color of the sacral chakra is orange. So that's where I love sweet potatoes because it's like a double whammy of the root chakra and the sacral chakra. And the sacral chakra is all about femininity and flow and also about unconditional love and sexuality and all of these things, right? So I find the interesting thing is whenever I find myself drawn to work on a certain chakra and I let myself intuitively eat rather than eat in a structured way, I notice I'm eating the colors of that chakra. So for example, I was just visiting some friends in Encinitas and they, they had blueberries in their fridge and I just like wanted to eat all of these organic blueberries, right? And blue is the color of the throat chakra and I'm wearing blue today, right? Because I'm meeting and speaking with all of you. And I was also interviewed on a podcast and noticed how often I wore the color blue there because I think that's really part of my expression is speaking, right? So um, moving up now, we talked about the solar plexus a bit as like carbohydrates Yellow foods are a little harder to find, right? But there's things like ginger, um, there's things like maca powder, things like that that are really energizing. And that's what the solar plexus is about. It's like your powerhouse. It's a masculine chakra, right? And then moving up to the heart, which is the last of the, it actually merges the physical chakras with the spiritual, right? So above the heart, we have the throat, the third eye, and the crown chakra, which are all in the spiritual realms. And then below that, when we have the root, the sacral, the um, solar plexus, we're in the physical realms, right? They're heavier, they're denser and things like that. So the heart is really the bridge. And that's why I think it's so important to take care of the heart chakra. And that's where we get all of our superfood greens, right? Like our spirulina, the chlorella, all of that stuff that's really cleansing. And the heart chakra is also associated with the liver, right? So anything you would do to cleanse your liver is also opening your heart and vice versa. Yeah, that, that's really amazing. And there's, there's a number of layers and perspectives that we can take to that to actually unpack that even more. You know, the, there's a color code to nature. 
And so what we found out is that antioxidants basically translate into pigments of color. And so the pigmentation in the food actually has codes and has information stored in it that is relative to certain localized parts of the body. So you mentioned like the heart chakra being green, and we know that green foods are specific to the lungs and are specific to the heart. And like leafy greens and superfood green powders and algaes and and grass powders and things like that actually purify the blood and create more circulation and blood flow to the heart, which I find interesting. Then you can take it like you can take it like purple foods. Like blueberries are actually more intrinsically purple, interestingly enough. Like blue, blue is a very, very rare pigment that is authentic in nature. Most nature actually camouflages itself in layers of pigmentation. If you look at a color wheel, when you combine different colors, they create a new color. Well, nature's doing that too. And most of the blue that we see is actually a refraction of light. So blueberries are actually more intrinsically purple than they are blue, but they have, they have that, that they, they kind of like, it's kind of like, um, it kind of like uh, masks it a little bit. So it's interesting, like blueberries are very specific for the crown chakra. And then you think of like other blue food or purple foods like cacao, for example, like cacao, when you pick a cacao pod off the chocolate tree and you break it open fresh and you break open the cacao, the cacao bean, it's actually purple inside. And it represents that it looks like a brain. It has the hemispheres of the brain in it. And, um, and it's specific, and we know that that chocolate is a very noble food. Like cacao, in its authentic essence, is actually very much a spiritually associated food. And so it kind of goes it goes down that line. When you look at the colors of food, I think it's interesting to trace that back to the chakras, and then also the organ systems. Like in the Chinese Taoist perspective, the organ systems of the body and the emotions that are stored in the organs. So you're talking about the liver and its association with opening the heart, one of the things I find fascinating with the liver is that's where all the, or, the, all the anger and frustration and resentment is stored. And once that starts to get healed and, and, and cleared, then obviously the, the chambers of the heart, the vascular chambers of the aorta and the heart start to open up, but then the energetics of the heart start to open up and people actually can have profound healings. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I, I really love um, that you brought the word resentment forward when speaking about the liver, because I, this summer, did a liver cleanse for the first time in my life. I'm 29 and have never cleansed my liver because I was coming from this performance world of like, and in this world, generally what I hear from people is like, the liver does the cleanse. You don't, you don't need to support the liver kind of thing. Right. So let me, let me actually, okay, first I want to bring it back to resentment. And then I want you to speak to that a bit, Ronnie, because I would love your perspective. And I love, you know, cause if this is live, whether you've already tagged me or not on Facebook, I'm going to be sharing this with my peeps and I want, I want them to get some stuff out of this too. Um, and they're coming from a certain perspective, right? My audience is so um, yeah, as far as resentment, that was a huge connection that you just made for me because I want to share about a year ago, uh, I was training in the gym, right? I was still on this competitive at that point. I was actually like, I'm training for the Olympics, right? Like I'm going for the top thing. And I was pushing hard, like this rise and grind type mentality. And I was in the gym training. And at the same time, I was working through a lot of anger, right? I was working through a lot of anger and at that time, I was lifting uh, like really heavy weights, just like pause, deficit, clean deadlift at the knee, and I had bands and everything. So as much resistance as could be there as possible, and I got a hernia, right? I got a hernia in this moment. So uh, it was interesting for you to bring in the word resentment, and around the same time is when I started opening up to this concept of like liver cleanse and everything like that, right? Because... I was processing a lot of anger at the time or not processing, right? I think lots of times as athletes, we think, oh, I can just move this in the gym. It's not the same. It's not the same as like truly working through it, right? Like you've got to do the real work and you've got to like ask yourself, why am I angry, right? And, and anger is a projection generally, right? So anytime I'm looking at someone else and I have resentment or anger energy within me, it's because I'm actually angry at myself, right? So... Yeah, what happened to me was like a phys physical hemorrhaging of this anger and resentment in my lower abdomen. And then later on, I moved towards like 
liver cleansing and got more greens in my diet and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, whatever, whatever you feel like commenting on from there, Ronnie. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, just thinking about the liver, you know, why do you need to cleanse the liver? Well, your liver is, I mean, your liver has over 600 different, different functions. One of them is that it's the primary detoxification organ, right? And, you know, there's, this is a bit of a expanded conversation, but you have four organs of elimination, which actually eliminate the, the metabolites of metabolism and environmental toxins and things of that nature, waste products, but they have to be filtered through a detoxification process. And the liver's, one of the liver's main functions is to detoxify something that is considered toxic or a burden to the body. As protein is a good example. Like if you eat too much protein, your body has to process all that. And if the liver is backed up and you have something called a fatty liver, it can't process it. A lot of that, that um, nitrogenous, undigestible protein gets redirected to the kidneys. And your kidneys are the main elimination organ, similar to the hydrological cycle of nature. They're your internal hydrological cycle that, that um, filters and, and removes water-soluble toxins from the body and, and urination. So that meant kidney stones, gallstones, gallbladder, liver cleanse, like all that, all these are in a feedback loop together, right? So there is a redirection of toxins or, or compounds in the body. If the liver cannot effectively detoxify them, then it'll get redirected to another area to try to, to clean up the mess. And then it creates this, this um, holistic imbalance throughout the body. I mean, when we're talking about the liver, it can go pretty deep because the liver is the only organ that can regenerate itself once it's gone down to even 10% functionality. It can regenerate itself. Um, it was hepatogenesis, hepatoneogenesis, something. No, it's like hepatogenesis, basically the regeneration of, of um, liver cells. And, and just on that note, beets, for example, are actually very liver regenerative. They can regenerate liver cells, um, which is, you know, it's, it's um, just something to know about, actually, because one of the, and we're, we're cross-connecting the, the emotional, energetic, and biological, physiological connection between our food. And there are certain foods that are specific to certain organs, and so like beets, for example, are red. And so that ha that's associated with our blood. But then there's certain compounds that are regenerative to certain other organs. So, I mean, that's, that's, um, there's a lot there. But basically the idea is that, you know, you want to be able to either do like some kind of liver, gallbladder, flesh, or do some, some, some kind of cleansing approach where you're minimizing the, the, the caloric intake or the, the, the heavy kind of dense energy, that dense material that's coming through the liver. So it can, it can regenerate itself. Um, so it doesn't create a burden on the rest of the body. And if you're an athlete, one of the biggest problems with athletes is they're eating way too much um, um, nitrogenous protein, which is, which is meat essentially, and way too much of it and all the wrong kinds of it. Right. And that stuff has been building up over the years and years and years. And, um, you know, you don't notice this kind of thing until the last straw that broke the camel's back occurs until you have that moment where you feel the pain in your liver or that stored aggression starts to build up. And that's an overheating of the system. And that's also an indication that the liver is not working properly because the system is heating up too much. It's, it's like it has to cool down. And so there's a lot, I mean, there's, a, there's an infinite amount of reasons why someone would want to do that. But ultimately, for, for complete functionality of your holistic body, your, your glands, your organs, your hormones, your, your blood chemistry, all of it, like the liver is absolutely... I mean, it's absolutely essential. Um, you know, I think we've we've kind of like articulated articulated why somebody might want to consider that. Yeah, why don't I? I'd love to ask then, Ronnie, for my peeps watching, listening afterwards. Um, when should they do a liver cleanse? Like when? How often? And then for athletes, how much protein do you think they should be eating, and what kinds of protein? Okay, well, as far as like the the when conversation um 
that that's more of a specific that's more of a specific thing so um generally speaking you know you might want to consider doing that kind of thing you know every 6 to 9 months or once a year um if you've never done it before then just just kind of going into it and starting gently starting easy don't you don't want to go all in on a full on liver gallbladder um, approach. If you haven't attuned the rest of your biology, you haven't done any kind of like juice cleanse or any kind of like maybe doing liquids all one day with like juices, teas, water, smoothies, um, that kind of thing, going through an ad- entire day of doing just liquids. That right there can be very powerful. If you want to go way deeper into a more specific liver gallbladder cleanse, then that's something that you can look into. There's a lot of information on the internet that would be a lot more specific. I, I definitely want to talk about the protein conversation um, because one of the things that we discovered, and I know you know this, is one of the most effective ways to actually um, get protein synthesis and assimilation is actually bypassing the protein itself and going directly into amino acids. And this has been something that I've been looking at for years, which is amino acid therapy. And amino acid therapy is incredible. I mean, in in um, psychiatric um, clinical settings, people dealing with depression, people dealing with mood swings, um, psychological imbalances, people will be put on high dosages of free-form amino acids because the neurotransmitters in the brain, like your dopamine, your serotonin, your GABA, those are all built from amino acid precursors. Those are the building blocks for your neurotransmitters. And then there's also the gut-brain connection. But your muscle tissue um, needs the amino acids. In fact, everything in your body, all the glands, your immune system actually needs free-form amino acids. And what we're finding out is that there's a lot of people with protein excess but amino acid deficiencies. And that can, I mean, there's, that's an endless amount of like kind of de-layering of like how far that goes into the microbiome, the, the microvilli and the small intestine getting breaking down so people can't absorb the amino acids, um, digestive uh, fire not being, you know, not having enough stomach acid, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately what I found um, for me and for countless other people that I've worked with, I know this is true for you. The liver actually is um, the burden on the liver for having to digest all that exogenous heavy protein material and break it down into usable amino acids completely gets um, bypassed by taking in free form um, essential amino acids, which the body needs probably more than most things that we're putting in our body. One of the big things, one of the big... um, you know, the things that I've had to deal with in the, the raw food and vegan and vegetarian world the last decade is this, the question still gets asked. I'm totally astonished. People are like, where do you get your protein? And it's like, I want to ask them, where do you get your protein? Because a lot of the, the you know, you see this in the bodybuilding world, a lot of that, like, that, um, that, that muscular, like, that when people get really, really big, um, a lot of that's actually inflammation push, pushing the musculature out especially when you see it getting like really ridiculous. It doesn't even look human. That's not, that's, that's actually inflammation pushing the tissues out. And, um, and when people go on a cleanse, they start thinning out a little bit and losing a lot of that muscle mass and they get kind of scared. But the reality is you actually need to, because you can create a lot of cardiovascular damage by by storing all that that heavy muscle tissue and feeding and a lot of that's just protein deposits that get stored in the muscle tissue and then you find people need to get tons of body work because they find that there's these calcified protein deposits stored in the tissue creating these knots and these hard spots in the musculature and that's also by the way that's also a big aspect with cancer a cancer cell in a tumor has a protein, calcium, and code or um, encasement that protects the the fungal viral um, infection, which is basically what the cancer is, aside from hormone driven cancers. And then it, it creates this protein deposit around it, so the immune system can't get to the infection. And then, you know, that's how these other that's how it proliferates. Yeah, I think like. As far as these like tight knotted muscles and everything like you're 
sort of preaching to the choir here about that because I'm just coming to the other side of that being my truth and my story, right? So um, it's funny because just yesterday I went for a massage for the first time in a long time after I've been transitioning to adding a lot more superfoods to my diet, doing a lot more yoga, still weight training. Um, and yet my massage therapist yesterday, she was like, wow, I can actually feel the difference between the muscles in your body that are relaxed and the ones I need to work on. Whereas she said 90% of people who walk through, and I know this used to me, used to be me, their muscles are like a rock, right? She's like, especially athletes who come in here, like their whole body's like a rock. So they're really hard to work with. Whereas me, because I've been doing all this healing work and really pulling back the layers and, and all kinds of healing work, right? Like from like the root chakra, very most physical healing I can be doing, like nutritionally, um, changing my way of training, like everything in the physical realm that I can be doing for healing, I have been doing that. And then also spiritually, right? Like opening up to different kinds of healing mo modalities and energy work and and doing all this ancestral healing, healing and different things like that. And anyways, yeah, when my massage therapist massaged me yesterday, I could feel a difference too. I could feel her working on me. And I'm like, whoa, this feels like a completely different experience. So it's interesting for sure. Yeah, I, I would love to shift the conversation into into more of those those um, the spiritual realm and more of the, the, the life transformation side of things. Because I know the work that you've done has evolved from just really focusing on fitness and nutrition into really helping people um, as a life coach, but I would say like something much more like helping people activate their DNA, helping, helping people activate their, their connection to their higher intelligence and really like guiding and really like, um, connecting to their soul awareness, their soul intelligence to, to guide their life in a more profound way. And obviously using nutrition as a way to empower the physical body. So they have the capacity to um, to take in that voltage, that high voltage electricity of that that energy that is coming through them, so they can anchor and ground that in their physical body. I'd love to really segue into into that side of things with you. Yeah, man, this is this is where I get really lit up and excited because I love I love the physical plane, I love the physical reality, and like even if we look at the way the chakras develop in the body, and we've been talking about chakras a lot and some of my peeps might not really know what they are. So I just want to bring it like a whole bunch of steps back first. And that's um, chakras are energy centers in the body. And each one has sort of like a different purpose and focus. And um, yeah, so essentially there are different chakra systems as well. So the one that I'm talking about is like a seven chakra system. So going from like the root chakra all the way up to the crown chakra here, there are seven chakras or energy centers. So, um, yeah, I guess we're moving up into the crown. We're moving up into the third eye, right? We're moving up into, so here's my intuition, my third eye center here. And when you really get down this path, like I remember going back to how I got down this path, the first time I ever felt my third eye was when I hopped on a call about almost exactly two years ago with Mike Bledsoe, who ended up being my life coach or spiritual mentor for about eight months and then now we're friends right so I often use the term friend tour and that's what my experience has been is like you know we can start as we can start as mentors of each other or have a mentor type relationship and then a friendship evolves out of it or like maybe we both have badass amazing skills and we can be friends and mentor each other right so the first time anyway bringing back to the third eye the first time I ever felt and was like, what is going on was when I hopped on a call with Mike Bledsoe. And I was like, just seeking, I was seeking so much and coming from this place of like, let's look at it this way. So I'm going to like, you guys can't see this. If you're not on the Facebook live, I'll do my best to explain it for anyone listening on the audio. There's this graph that represents on the vertical column, it would be essentially enlightenment, right? So accessing our divine self, and then on the horizontal plane, that's the personality self or the ego, right? And the ego is not bad. Um, we can evolve. To me, this is where we bring in like morality, right? Our humanness. Like, so we can become a fully evolved human and we can become a fully enlightened being. And they're two completely different things. 
And my work that I'm most interested in is integrating those things, integrated wholeness. So this is my take on a, a graph that I learned from Sandra and Daniel Biskind, who I think they actually got it from someone else. So that's kind of what happens as you get down this path, right? It's like people receive downloads, intuitive downloads, and express them in their own way. And then as you receive them, it's like, okay, now I can receive downloads that build on this or make it make sense for me and assimilate into my truth, right? So yeah, the work that I do, what I used to do was all the personality self, all the ego self, right? I, I try to, it's all the identity attachments in my life. So I, I tried on the elite athlete identity, right? I built the business. So here we could have someone, if we're just again on the horizontal plane of the graph, they could have a really rocking body and a really kick-ass business and all this stuff and still be completely unfulfilled, right? That's what I find if you only go down that spectrum. And that was a bit of my experience, right? Like I remember winning North American power, powerlifting championships and it was one of the best moments in my life. And yet there was still like this, and now what, right? And it was like, I knew I had to do deeper work. So my work was going down, developing this ego, developing this identity, and then essentially killing it off. Like I went backwards on, right? I was like, I need to let go of this. I need to let go of all these things that are not in alignment with my true self. And then I can now, now my work is, and some of the work I've been doing with you, Ronnie, with you, Ronnie, as my friend tour is re-assimilating and reintegrating my masculinity, my ego self, all of these archetypes, like the warrior archetype, the elite athlete archetype, all of these things in with all this true self, divine self enlightenment work that I've been doing, right? So for me, the path was like, okay, let's try this. And I think that's where a lot of people in the Western world, let's build the business. Let's be the athlete. Let's really attach to these identities that society says is valuable. And then when I'm unfulfilled, let's start doing the spiritual work, right? So everyone has a different path. That was my path. And now really what I'm trying to do with the people that I work with is like, let's get you on that spiritual path a little sooner so that you don't have to do the killing the ego part, right? Let's do it. So everything, we're just going on integrated wholeness where we're constantly integrating the true self with the physical identities and human manifestation that we are. Brilliant. Beautiful. I mean, I love, I love the word integration and then talking about these different archetypes because in the, the human persona and the psyche and the subconscious exists all the different archetypes that we've ever lived out in our current life, past lives, in the human collective. Um, all these things exist, right? And there's different, there's, there's the positive side and the negative side. There's the, in the different ways that they express. And I find that the more one has healed their trauma, has healed their woundings, has healed their liver um, in the different organ. And, and this is kind of the, the cross connection between the emotional, psychological world and the physical body. Because in our body, these things get stored and the subconscious opens up. And a lot of people, I mean, they still have this, this arbitrary view of the brain being like the storehouse of consciousness. Your brain doesn't actually store anything. It's, it's just a transmission device. And it, it, if, if, but if you're too neurotic and you have too much going on up here, too much hoarding up here, then it gets, all that stuff gets redirected into the body and usually gets stored in the neck. It gets stored in the shoulders, the back, the thighs, the knees, the, the, um, uh, different areas and different, different systems and in, in, in the organ systems, as we pointed out. And so what I found is that when somebody does more physical cleansing and they're doing more physical healing, they, they optimize their nutrition, they optimize their lifestyle and their movement patterns, their sleep schedules. And then um, they also do that deeper interpersonal work. Um, things start to integrate more within them and they become more a whole and, and a holistic human being. And I'd love to kind of um, expand upon that concept of being whole and, and a holistic human being. Obviously, the show is the holistic human um, optimization show. And the reason it's called that is because this is about the human experience. This is about all the different varying dynamics and creating that bridge, that connective tissue to integrate our relationships and our finances and entrepreneurship and our, our um, physical health and vitality and wellness and all the different aspects of the human experience. 
Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to your work, Ronnie, is I've also, since the, since I gave birth to my little business, Idealistic Isabel, out into the world about two and a half years ago. And before that, I was a high school teacher. Um, I've always sort of preached this holistic perspective. And, and I'm circling, you can't see this if you're not watching the live. Um, I'm circling with my hand because one of my favorite perspectives on this is the Native American or First Nations medicine wheel, which uh, one of the variations has four components, right? And I've always been drawn to and, attra and attracted to First Nations spirituality and concepts, and I just love those people so much. And I could go into all kinds of reasons why. I used to teach up north in a First Nations community, and I, I just love all of the wisdom and the passing on of stories and all this. And anyways, bringing it back to the medicine wheel and the four aspects of a human being is there's the physical, emotional, mental, or intellectual, and then the spiritual, right? So there are these four aspects of, to a being. And I remember, I think it was my very first call with you, Ronnie, you brought up that components or those components of a human being. And I was like, okay, we're on the same page here. Yeah. So um, that's what I love, right? It's like, if we're I also say the interesting thing, though, and, and you've already brought this up, Ronnie, is like, if we are working on the physical, we're working on the spiritual, whether our awareness is there or not, we're doing it. So if you're drinking a green shake, you're opening your heart, whether your awareness is there or not. So you're doing the work. And I just want to celebrate anyone listening to this podcast, whether you're lifting weights or reading a book or going to a church or spending time in nature, like whatever you're doing, you're actually working on all aspects of yourself because we can't compartmentalize. And yet there is value. There is value in compartmentalizing and, and taking the time to be like, okay, is my medicine wheel balanced? Like, have, have I only been devoting, have I felt safe in the gym and um, in my nutrition? Have I felt safe working on that part of me? And it scares the shit out of me to look at the spiritual realm then I better go there, right? Because whether you're aware of it or not, you've been doing the spiritual work. You've been doing the work that's bringing you to a point of like, even going back to the chakra system, right? Like maybe you've been living in your solar plexus as like this warrior weightlifter. And now you've done the work like, oh, I'm not, I'm feeling a little sad, right? I'm feeling a little sadness in my heart here. That sadness is pulling you to that place to be like, there's more, right? So there is value in compartmentalizing and yet you're always working on all of it. Yeah, beautiful. <clears throat> I, lo I love all that. Yeah, it's so spot on. And yeah, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I don't know if that's entirely true. I think that we have a value system and some things we are naturally going to put more attention and energy on than other things. But ultimately, the goal is to for one thing to be translatable to another. So how we work out and, and what we do for our training should be should be with intention and presence in and to our posture and to our our, you know, you know, our mind and, and not to be swaying off and thinking about anything outside of that moment. And the same thing in our relationships, we want to be very present to the moment and, and the energy and, and whatever, whatever's going on in that realm. And it, it is the same thing. It, it, it cross translates to every area. And that's how you know, when that natural flow starts to happen, I think that's how you know, that you've integrated those different archetypical expressions. And just thinking about working out, there's so many different ways. There's working out and then there's working in, right? And I think that's that's kind of that's kind of the 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 real key is that there's working out, there's a yang, there's exertion, and then there's yin, there's there's restoration, there's internal um, development that you have to do. And, and I think when you're really integrated, it's when those worlds merge, when the inner and the outer world actually merge. And then the outer world becomes more of a holographic reflection of what's going on in the inner world or what has gone on in the inner world. And there's a little bit of a lag time in the external world. So that that's interesting. I'd like to get your take on that too, just everything that's said, because I think in, a met, on the, in the metaphysical world, that can be a little bit of a, a gap in people's understanding because a lot of people think like, okay, the world is a mirror. So that must mean whatever's going on externally is a reflection of what's going on internally right in this moment. But there's a lag time in the th three-dimensional world. There's a lag time quanta in the quantum world, right? 
not in the quantum world, but in the Newtonian physical world, there's a, there's a lag time. The inner world's more of the quantum world. So, so there's the seed takes time to germinate. So it's not an accurate reflection of what's going on, but it's, it's, um, it's almost like, it's almost like, uh, the way that I look at it, it's like, it's reflecting, it's reflecting both what has been and also can reflect what is going on right now. It's both. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that is super pertinent with where we're at, like energetically and all of the cosmic stuff going on right now, because that's a lot of what I've been seeing, right? It's like uh, a lot of being, and this is what I've heard about eclipse season. I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm an auditory learner. So when I hear things, I absorb them. And, and then I check in with my intuition. Is this truth? Is this my truth? Right. And so one of the things I've been hearing about eclipse season is like, Pay attention, and I heard this from Katerina Satori on one of her live videos. She said, pay attention to the people that you meet during eclipse season because she met some of her most fierce allies last eclipse season. And it's like the people and the connections that you're making, or even if you're watching this live, right, it's going to be enhanced. Like today's a full moon. So we're in some powerful, powerful shit today. And I'm really happy to be here, like sharing this with you and being able to receive all these messages. So yeah, as far as the lag time, I want to go there. And first, I actually want to go back to the whole concept of like yin and yang, or I say yang, maybe that's like a westernized version of it. But um, I want to bring it back to that, because I think my peeps will really resonate with this when you're like this performance athlete, and you're running a business and you're, um, you're showing up in masculine energy a lot in your life, you're showing up in this yang energy, or I, I always say like, you're yanging the fuck out too much, right? So like you got to learn how to yin and balance that out and work in, like you said. So even just like for me, that can be as simple as going and laying on the earth, like go and lay in the grass, right? And, and allow your body to receive the negative ions from the earth and just be rejuvenated and revitalized or um, like do a little bit of Tai Chi, right? Like open up to moving energy with your hands and coordinating with your breath or do some yoga, do some stretching, really focus on the breath to work in. That's probably the most powerful thing you can do is focus on your breath, create the energy that the, that you then need to work out. And if you're more interested in that, I would recommend Paul Check's work. He's, he's really founded this whole concept of working in and working out. And he actually works with the chakra systems and everything like that. So I wanted to go that back to that a bit because that's been my journey and my process is like, learning how to balance myself out, right? And for me, it was really like a whole year of chilling the fuck out, I would say. It was like a whole year of like getting into my yin, getting into my femininity, like signing up for dance classes, like practicing yoga, letting go of the barbell, um, even in my business, not being so regimented, but allowing things to flow with ease and grace and come in their own time. Because like, I think Guy Ferdman first explained it this way. It's like, we're in the river, we're in the flow of life, whether we want to admit it or not. So we can be like trying to swim upstream and resisting what's really going on. Or we can and we can like uh, cling to rocks and be like, ah, I'm scared, right? And hold on to a rock and then get, get beat up by the water, right? Or we can like surrender and go with the flow. And then I think where the divine masculine comes in is like, that's when you start swimming with the stream, right? You start swimming with the flow. So you're still asserting energy. You're still in your yang or your yang. And yet you're, you're doing it with the flow of the universe in alignment in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this pertinent, pertinent message, especially for t- today in this portal that we're all going through. And this is a six month portal, by the way. So um, this will ripple out. So for everyone that's listening to the audio now about a month out from when this is aired on Facebook, just know you're still going through it. We're still going through the residual um, eclipse energy and it's in it's a principle for life anyways. It really doesn't matter what the portal is. It's just an amplification of energies that have already been there that are being shifted, redirected, reorganized, exorcised, expressed out. So we can see what's been operating, um, the operating system, what's been going on inside the subconscious, unconscious mind that's been running the show and controlling our behavior and holding us back energetically so we can actually be fully free, liberated, in complete control of our destiny, complete control of our food habits, complete control of our relationships, and not control in terms of like controlling, but in control of our behavior. 
in what we do um, and how in how we engage and navigate and interface with these different areas of our life. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to bring it back to the whole, like, you know, this quantum reality versus the Newtonian reality and all this stuff and really the concept of being a conscious creator, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what all of us are. And I think that's what people like you, Ronnie, like myself, that's what we're doing. That's why we're leaders is we're bringing in a new way of being. So like, because we're open to this divine spiritual energy and we're open to receiving these messages and we're open to expressing them and we're open to embodying them, we're showing people a new way, right? And that's, that's where the lag time comes in is it's like, the interesting thing is like, even me, I grow so fast that it's like, I'll go to events I'll come home embodying a completely different vibration. And the people who haven't seen me since the last time, I could have changed like the equivalent to like multiple lifetimes, right? So that's where the lag time happens. And yet the interesting thing is that us, I believe that's where it comes back to like, we have to be the fierce protectors of our own frequency. And that's also sort of a interpretation of something that I heard from Katerina Satori. Sorry, my dog is wanting to go out. You might hear him in the background of it. He's good. He'll be out in like 10 minutes. Um, And yeah, so like what happens is as we embody this new frequency, the relationships in our life, the things in our life, they need time to adapt, right? Or I shouldn't even say that, right? Like they have a choice to adapt and adjust and to shift. So that's what I've been noticing. I just got back from a Marcy Locke event in California and I was embodying this new level of frequency. I always knew it was in me, right? I always knew it was there. I'm like, why isn't everyone seeing me as this divine, powerful being? And there's also sometimes a lag time in our expression, right? So my awareness was, I've always known I'm this divine, powerful being. Why isn't everyone else seeing me like this, right? And so that's where like, there, there is a time. There's like a blossoming, like a flower, right? Or even when we take people through our programs with our business that Ronnie and I partner in, and we take them through like a 40 day transformation. I explain it as like the transformation of a butterfly, right? So there might be like a cocooning phase and you're like, Oh, I thought I was supposed to be this powerful, beautiful, magical being. And it's like, you're getting there, right? So there's all kinds of conversations we could go to with the lifetime. The most interesting one to me is, um, so say I get home from an event like this, and I notice someone else is showing up in their shit, right? Because that happens, right? I can be like, I can be my scared little girl and I can be reacting and, or I could be running away and fleeing and like closing off and going into contraction energy, right? Because that used to be one of my patterns is like, if the energy starts running too high or if someone around me is expressing anger, I would want to run in high, right? So that's Brittany showing up in her shit and her old patterns. And what I notice is as I embody a higher and higher vibration, one of the highest vibrations we can embody is neutrality, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where when we're embodying neutrality and we're vibrating at that level, I could show up to you just as an example, Ronnie, after an event where I'm like at this super high vibration and Ronnie could be in his shit and I could just be like, yeah, you can be there, man. I'm going to continue to hold this high vibration. And then you have a choice. You can be like, look how much fun Brittany's having. Like, I think I'm going to shift my vibration, right? So I think the lag time is getting to be less and less because that's the yeah. truth that I'm proclaiming, yeah. right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's getting quicker and quicker. The veil is being thinned out. And to the degree that we can release resistance and come into spontaneous alignment, and really, and really it's almost like, you know, there's this conversation um, that – you have to let go of things. But what I found is that that's actually, that's actually somewhat backwards, but it's very hard to change your behavior. It's, it's very hard to change your behavior. What actually has to happen is you have to go through a transformation. So what hold, what's holding on to you lets go. It's actually, you're not holding on to things, they're holding on to you. And so you have to shift your vibration. Sometimes there is a bit of a battle involved. Like if you are on a low, sometimes you have to fight your way out to climb out of the ditch, but once you've gotten out, then you can relax, right? It's in this ebb and flow. And, um, but what we're talking about is letting go of the fight because I think for most of us, we've been fighting for a long time. And now what we're experiencing is just this complete release of contraction and resistance to life. And this, this spontaneous alignment is starting to happen. It's almost like 
we don't really have to do anything until it's called upon us, until we get that inspired action, we get that next blueprint or the, ne- the, the next uh, breadcrumb leading to the greater blueprints. Like we don't have to create the whole, the whole map anymore. We, we can visualize it, but then we can let go knowing that that's a pale approximation of what's going to be anyways. But we can, we can have a concept or a visualization of what the future holds as a, as a potential timeline and then let go and be so in the moment, just listen, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And just follow it out, follow it out. And then, you know, I feel like that's really the process. And um, I've noticed with me and my vibration, my frequency, like it's a, I'm a whole new person than I was a couple of days ago because I decided that my inner work was just as important or in a lot of ways more important right now than the external work, even though I have external goals and things that I'm trying to accomplish. I just realized if it's not in alignment and it's creating a resistance, then I can't do that because I'm, I'm sending out a communication signal to the universe, to my higher self, to the forces that organize everything for my life experience. And I don't want to send mixed messages anymore. So I'm willing to delay gratification of what I want in the moment for what I want long term, which is ultimately spiritual fulfillment. It's not about, you know, this, this, um, this business goal or this, this relationship outcome that I'm really wanting to push for. It's like none of that. It's like, I want to be fully fulfilled. And if all those things line up along the way, then that's amazing. But if they, if they line up and I force them into place, then a huge, like it's, we're just going to recreate old patterns that haven't fully been worked out and just repeat these, these cycles of uh, disappointment. Yeah, I I love that. And that really reminds me of a conversation that I heard on uh, the Bledsoe show with Daniel Schmuckenberger. So I'd love to share a concept from him. And and he talks about this concept of being versus becoming, right? So generally in the Western world, we've been very focused on becoming. Like, I'm going to become the elite athlete. I'm going to become the successful entrepreneur. I'm going to become, become, become. And we haven't taken the time to just be, like be in silence, be with nature, be with our breath, meditate, right? Whereas traditionally, like Eastern religions, we're much more on the being end of the spectrum, right? So what Daniel Schmuckenberger talks about is it's really this integration and it's this spiraling forward, right? So it's like this dance of being and becoming. And that's what I've been noticing in this energy lately is like one day I'm like becoming, becoming, becoming. And it's like this masculine energy. And I'm like hammering shit out in like super high productivity mode. And it doesn't always feel good. Like that's not the energy that I love to be in. And yet it's this acceptance, right? Accepting like, this is what I'm, I feel inspired to do today, even if it doesn't feel that good. Right. And then the, the next day it's like, Oh, I'm in complete surrender. Like that's today. Right. I'm in complete surrender. What messages want to come through? Who do I get to connect with? This is all ease and flow and grace, right? So that's what I've been experiencing lately. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Brittany, we are at the top of the hour. So this is, uh, I mean, we could, we could, you and me could go on an endless rabbit hole forever. Um, And it would be totally amazing to do so. Um, Before we check out though, I want to, I want to, um, invite everybody to take a look at all of your work. So I definitely want you to share where people can find more information about you and your resources. And also, I want to see if you have any um, kind of parting insights for anybody that's listening. It's really inspired by this conversation and really wants to put these pieces of wisdom into practice. Yeah, no, the the message I want to share with anyone listening is I love you. And that that might be like I know I've I've been really expressing my love and just showering it on everyone since I've been coming home from this event and I know they can feel it as soon as I tell them like I love you. And that's what we've all been looking for, right? Is this love, this like divine unconditional love. And so that's what I want to shower upon all the listeners like wherever you're at right now whatever you're experiencing, whatever trauma you've experienced in your life, like you are not your trauma. You are not the bad things that happened to you. You are not the limiting beliefs that you've accepted and adopted. Like you are this divine, beautiful, amazing being. And I'm so in love with all that you are. 
whether you're in your shit or you're coming through it, like I love you exactly where you're at. And yeah, as far as where you can find me, we'll go, we'll go there next. Um, yeah, I feel inspired to invite you guys to check out my website, idealisticisabel.com. So you know how to spell the word idealistic and Isabel is I-S-A-B-E-L. Uh, and go there and please sign up for the newsletter. You guys will receive my free women's training guide. So any of the ladies listening or any men who coach with or live with a lady in your house, this will help you understand them and their hormones and what they're going through. And I think that's really where we're moving as a society is like, we've got to open up to understand and realize that really we are all one anyway, whether you're a man listening and you're like, I don't understand this women stuff or you're a woman and you're like, I don't understand men. Like we're all one. So I want to invite you guys, whether you're a man or a woman to go and sign up for the newsletter at my website, idealisticisabel.com. Check us out on Instagram, idealisticisabel. And then check me out personally on Instagram, Instagram, Brittany Bergen and Brittany is B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y and Bergen is B-E-R-G-E-N. Awesome. So good. Brittany, you are amazing. It's a pleasure and honor. Thank you so much for joining me, sharing your wisdom and having this incredible conversation and sharing it with the world. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Thank you for being one of my most magnificent mirrors. I Mm. appreciate you. My pleasure. And likewise. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.